Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Tuesday. We've got a very special episode for you today. It's going to be a very interesting one, something we haven't done in a while, but something we needed to do. A little housekeeping, a little <laughs> sprucing up of the pit. But before we get to that, uh, we have some bits of business to mention. We got those bad at job mugs. You can get those right now at gameofroses.co. Give them out to anyone in your life who you feel may be bad at their job uh, <laughs> or not. Maybe you keep it for yourself. I like drinking it out of it. It's great. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Really pours the liquid right into the mouth as a proper mug should. Mm -hmm. And we also have right now available for pre-order is How to Win the Bachelor paperback edition. You can pre-order it anywhere that you pre-order your books. It will be out May 23rd. So you'll have a more portable hard copy edition of our tome, our magnum opus, our textbook. Mm -hmm. Literally a textbook. Easier to flip through. Easier to hide against your stomach as you sneak into the mint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Duct tape it to your person. Uh, make sure it is flush against you and go in with this as strategy. Mm -hmm. You can't be flush with a hardcover, can you? That's correct. No, you can't. Speaking of textbook, it is now a literal textbook. It is taught in a class about The Bachelor at DePaul. And uh, Pace Case and I will be zooming into that class next Tuesday to impart our wisdoms unto a whole new generation of student scholars of our beloved game. I can't wait to do that. Dream come true. <laughs> uh, but let's now get to what we came here to do. Today, we're going to do the lexicon. We have on Game of Roses here in the pit come up with a whole slew of terms to describe our beloved game. This is something very akin to what sports writers did back in the 19-teens into the 1920s where they started... Uh, manufacturing new terms to describe baseball. Um, and some of these terms and statistical categories even went on to define the game. Things like ERA, RBI, but even slang terms mm -hmm. like dinger for home run was coined then. Run batter independence. Almost. Runs batted in. Um, mm. But <laughs> it was very close. A very good try. So we have a host of terms like this as well. And if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know we use them constantly. And I'm always getting DMs asking me, what does this mean? What's a PTC? What's a PVC? What the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. So uh, <laughs> hopefully this will be the definitive episode. I mean, it won't be because we will always be coming up with new terms as the game changes. We need to come up with these terms to define the new elements of the game. But we've got a bunch of new ones. And our minds keep expanding, becoming more and more creative. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that part as well. The expansion of our creative minds. Mm -hmm. But we also have a bunch of terms that are now uh, popping up because of Love is Blind and other shows, Perfect Match. So they're kind of all becoming one giant lexicon to describe all of these different games. And you'll see there's some crossover happening as well. So we're just going to start going through this list. There's a bunch of them. We have about 50 terms here. We're going to get through them. We're going to define them. And again, if you've got a friend who wants to get into the pit, 
or who's maybe dipping their toe into the pit and they don't understand what we're talking about, give them this episode. Shall we begin? Yes. We hope that this can help you drag others in to the pit. Speaking of, you missed my uh, scream from the pit last week. What was it? Uh, I did what I call a fast pull. I pulled somebody into the pit in about 30 seconds. I'll tell you about it later. Let's begin. (laughs) And it gave me such a feeling of like, I need to be doing this more. Oh, this is fun. I have to start doing more cold pulls, more fast pulls. But we're now not here to discuss that. We're here to discuss our beautiful lexicon. I knew someone who used to do that as a game, but pulling other things. Oh, interesting. Um... Let's begin. Shall we, Pace Case? The first term that we have in our lexicon is the foundational idea of the game itself. 4TRR and conversely 4TWR. These things stand for for the right reasons and for the wrong reasons. This is the foundational lie that the show you're watching, and this applies to Bachelor, Love is Blind, Perfect Match, really any dating show. Love Island. Love Island. Uh... I would even argue 90 Day Fiance. Indian matchmaker. It really gets at the heart of, are you here to get famous or are you here to find love? We believe all players exist on a spectrum. No one is all either one of these things. If you have an Instagram account, you are not 4TRR all the way. Even if you don't have an Instagram account, you still may not be. But everybody comes on this show I think open to potentially having a relationship for whatever reasons, but also very open to the idea that they're going to come out of here with some amount of fame that they can uh, monetize. And that is essentially what 4TRR is. Like uh, gender, like sexuality, it's a spectrum. 4TRR to 4TWR. Exactly. And when we're, this will be kind of in the, in an order, but not really, but this is night one. This is the limo entrances. We have your first limo exit. That is going to be your alpha. This is somebody that the producers are really putting hopes behind. This person will probably be in your final four. And the same is said of the Omega. The Omega is, you know, supposed to round out the event. It's going to, these are the two positions that will be the most memorable to the lead. So, if your limo exit is aired in one of these positions, they're not always the order in which they actually exit the limo. These are ones to watch. And when you're exiting that limo, you're going to do it with some style, hopefully. And we have broken down all of the various limo entrances or exits, however you want to call it. We say it both, actually, on our show kind of constantly. It's interchangeable to me. Mm-hmm. But there are only eight of them. And the eighth one was given to us by Lindsay Cox in season 16, the final one to complete the eight. It was the Grandy, but let's go through them all. So there is the Grandy or the Grand Entrance. This is coming into the limo or coming into the mansion, sorry, in a manner that does not use a limo. This could be a horse, a sports car, a truck, a party bus. We saw Christina Mandrell do in the in the most recent season. Could be anything, just not the limo. Camel. Camel. Et cetera. A big bubble like Ed. Ed Wastebrod, of course. Who could forget? <laughs> the second type is a tot, a trick-or-treat. It is probably what you think. It's based on Halloween, and it's when you're in a costume. This is my favorite type of limo exit because I love costumes. And this, this limo exit type is 
not as successful as other limo exit types, but it often can launch very strong paradise players. Or bachelorettes. Jojo Fletcher famously had maybe one of the best thoughts of all time coming out of that limo in a unicorn head. Claire Crawley, fake pregnancy belly taught. Oh my God. The good old days. <laughs> uh, the next limo exit is called the Aloha. This is when a player comes up to the bachelor or bachelorette and says something in a language that is not English. The first time we saw this was in season one of Bachelorette. A player named Paul, last name lost to time, exited the limo and literally walked up to then first Bachelorette Trista Rain and said, or Trista Sutter, uh, and said, Aloha. Literally said Aloha. That was the first Aloha. Was he Hawaiian? Yeah. Hmm. Number four is a standee. This is this can be a one-liner joke like Caitlin Bristow did when she said, I'll plow the fuck, you can plow the fuck out of my field any day, Chris Souls. Or this can be a performance like Carly Waddell, who came in singing because she was a cruise ship singer. We also have the Santa Claus or Chris Kringle or Kringle, as we <laughs> very commonly say it. This is uh, when a player exits the limo, comes up to the lead, and gives them some type of gift. Can literally be anything. Can be a wrapped gift. Can be a pair of pilot wings, like Pilot Pete gave to Hannah Brown. Can be a box of butterflies, like Cassie Randolph gave to uh, then-bachelor Colton Underwood. Anything. Literally anything. The sixth type is an It Takes Two. And this is a limo exit in which you are... initiating a interaction with the bachelor and you basically are getting them to dance with you maybe get a kiss maybe you're proposing to him we've seen that we even saw i believe the second place player on brad womack's second season slapped him oh my god yeah and said that's from the women of the nation (laughs) all women (laughs) Right, because he was very hated after that first season. He made no final choice. Uh, Our next limo exit is the sidecar. This is very rare. There have been only a handful of these in the history of our beloved game. And this requires a player to come out of the limo with another Pearson. It can be anyone. We've even seen Neil Lane serve as a sidecar uh, other person. I forget what season that was, and I forget who that player was. But very generally, you see sidecars. Uh, there was a grandma brought in once. There was somebody pretending to be a grandma brought in once. Um, it's usually like kind of a family member or something like that. But it's when you enter or when you exit the limo and walk up to the lead with another person. And our final limo exit type is a blandy or bland entrance. This is where you don't do a gimmick. You don't dress up like anything. And this this is probably one of the most common limo exits. And it's basically trying to convey that you're for TRR. A lot of the for TRR good girl players use this type of limo exit to be like, I'm here for love. And this is just like any interaction I would have meeting up with someone from Hinge. Right. And that rounds out the limo exits. Again, these are all very important because these are your first impressions that you're going to be making on not only the lead, but the other players in the house, which is what we call the second audience, uh, which we're going to get into right after this. (laughs) But you're also introducing yourself to the fourth audience, us at home. Uh, And speaking of audiences, let's go through those. This is a very important thing to uh, break down 
in terms of watching the game and understanding how it's actually played. There are four audiences that all players are playing to at any given time. The first audience, at least in Bachelor, and this is also true actually of of, uh, Love is Blind to some degree. It has to be parsed out a little differently, but these hold true in that game as well. The first audience is the lead. This is the bachelor or bachelorette, the person that as a player, you are trying to get them to like you, to want to go on dates with you, to keep you around at least until uh, the the playoffs. The second audience, that is the other players. This is who's going to be on your team when you're playing the bachelor. This is the people that are in a dynamic duo with you. These are people that could be your rivals. And you work on this audience when you are living in the house or the mansion. The next audience is, of course, the third audience. This audience is the most important of all audiences, at least in Bachelor, Bachelorette, in our beloved game. This is the producers. These are the people who control everything that happens to you from the moment you sign up for this show. You send in your application. Immediately, the producers, the third audience, is now on the job. They are scripting what is going to happen to you if they cast you in the show. From that moment forward, they're deciding if you'll be a villain, if you'll be a hero. They're already deciding which dates you're going to get. Are you going to get a pretty woman date? Are you going to get a forced violence group date? They're also deciding how far you're going to make it in the season. Will this player go to the playoffs? Will they get a hometown? Will they get a fantasy suite? Do we have visions for them potentially becoming the next lead? All of that is determined by the producers. There is no getting around it. The current producers, uh, if you've listened to our show at all, you know how we feel about what they're doing to our beloved game. But it's very important to have a working relationship with them. It can be purely transactional. You're exchanging information for extra sleep. We know uh, Raven Gates did that famously. Um, but you have to work with them. You cannot ice them out. If they want you to do something that you don't want to do, you have to find a workaround. They are, again, completely in control. They are super important, and they are the reason for why the fourth audience, for the fourth audience's entire impression of you will be through the edit that the third audience gives you. The fourth audience is Bachelor Nation. It's the fans. It's everyone who is watching the show, and they are determining whether or not they're going to follow you on social media during and after. Next, we have... The first responder, once you are in that house on night one or any night after this, really, the bachelor is going to come in and say, it was a pleasure to meet you. And before he can begin what he must next do, the first responder must do what the first responder must do. The first responder is very traditionally in our beloved game, a person who is standing at the far right of the pit group sofa situation that they have in the inauguration room. And the first responder hands the bachelor or bachelorette his or her drink with which they will use to do this incoming toast. Now, to get the first responder, you can literally just ask producers. You can bargain with them. If you want to do a certain limo exit and they're like, we don't want you to do that limo exit. We have other plans for you. You can say, okay, but can I be the one to hand the bachelor or bachelorette his drink or her drink? They will make this bargain with you. All you have to do is ask if you got something to trade for it. And it's very important because you get a little bit of screen time and it also potentially allows you the chance to just walk right the fuck out uh, with The Bachelor and get a conversation with them if it's on any other night other than night one. We've discussed that we probably need a new term for this. We've been calling both first responders. It's the person at the cocktail party who gives them the drink. 
And it's the person who grabs them first to talk to them. And that person is basically benefiting because you don't have to steal from someone else. You're just, you're stealing from the entire group or a producer. The bachelor or bachelorette will then give an inauguration speech. This is the first toast that they give once they've done all the limo exits. It is the start of the cocktail party. And it is something for the bachelor or bachelorette to kind of showcase their brand. We saw Matt James lead everyone in prayer. We've seen uh, mostly the same types of speeches. I hope this is a great adventure. Thank you all for donating your time, etc. And then um, once the night begins, all the players are going to go off with that lead. They're going to have little conversations here and there. And they're going to begin a certain style of play. One of the elements, the most the most fundamental elements, actually, of play in any of these games, not just Bachelor. This exists in Love is Blind. This exists in Perfect Match. It exists in Love Island. It exists in literally any dating game. Uh, also in 90 Day. Farmer Wants a Wife? It, yeah, it's in Farmer Wants a Wife, Joe Millionaire, all of them. Hmm. We are talking about the love levels. There are four love levels. I like you, and that can be played and should be played, by the way, on night one. I'm starting to fall in love with you or fall for you. Some version of that. There's an escalation from just a common, I like you, or I'm I'm feeling some type of way about you to now. We have butterflies. We have a connection. Butterflies, connections. All that is love level one. Love level two is I'm starting to fall for you or starting to fall in love with you. You are now on the path to love. I can see myself falling in love with you. That's a great love level two as well. Love level three is I am falling. You are now recognizing you're in the process of falling in love. You're almost to the final love level, love level four, which is I am in love with you or I love you. And we see this time and time again. Uh, all of these love levels played out usually until somewhere in the playoffs is when you're seeing the love level fours. It's usually hometowns. Now that we've established you can get along with my family, I feel confident in saying I am in love with you. That's where I think it's probably best played. With that intonation. I am in love with you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But you see these these love levels happen at a a very escalated rate in Love is Blind. They're going from love level one to love level four in a matter of days. They're proposing. Uh, It's an astounding thing to watch. And there's a lot of like creative flourishes put on these love levels during Love is Blind as well that you don't really see in Bachelor. We can see love levels in unique ways. Caitlin Bristow did one via a billboard, I remember, on her scene. A visual love level for. Mm. The night one, one of the most important game elements is the FIMP. This is the first impression rose. This is the special flower that the Bachelor or Bachelorette gives to someone that they like and that the producers like. And that balance seems to vary season to season. Sometimes it is given to the person that the third audience is hoping will be the next lead. And they tend to make it to about hometowns around fourth place on Bachelor. Yeah. I I think in the modern game, I don't believe any lead chooses the FIMP. I think that's all producer written. I mean, we have very conclusive evidence that at least most of them are given by producers. There might be a couple of smatterings in there of like a lead just gets a hair up their ass and is like, fuck it, I'm just going to give it to who I want. But I don't think that happens very often. And this is true, by the way, of all roses. 
group date roses, one-on-one date roses, fimp roses. The producers are choosing them all. Now, we move on to the next term. On night one or any night, if you don't get an opportunity to speak to the lead, you are known to be turtling. (laughs) This is a death sentence. And again, in the modern game, this is not because you didn't have time to do it or you couldn't get in there. It's usually because producers have orchestrated scenarios that don't allow you to talk to the lead. Mm -hmm. If you're turtling, uh, it's something the producers are foisting upon you. And that is a very clear sign. You need to step your fucking game up to convince these producers to keep you on the show. Yeah. In the modern game, steals are orchestrated and not performed willy-nilly. ITM, this is a producer term, but we thought we would include it here. This is in the moment. These are the confessional interviews that players give to camera during the season. It's the best place to showcase your colorful narrator skills, to load your love levels, load your walls, load your PTCs, etc. Any play that you're going to make. And then that lets us know that this is what we're going to be watching for in your next date segment. ITMs also offer players a very good opportunity to have this weird one-on-one time with producers where the producers are really trying to manipulate you hardcore to get you to say very specific things on camera. When they're doing that, players have to take account of what is it these producers are trying to get me to say. It's going to, if you look into it, if you can kind of read between the lines, or sometimes, literally, there are no lines, they're just saying, I need you to say, I hate this other (laughs) player and wish they were dead. That's an obvious one. But sometimes they'll try to get you to say little things here or there, and if you can piece together why they're trying to get you to say this, you might start to understand what they're doing to you in the edit or what they have planned to do to you in the edit. And you might be able to wiggle around that a little bit. ITMs are a very important part of the game and should not be taken lightly. Our next topic or our next uh, term is the RQ, which stands for Rose Quotient. Now, this is a statistical metric that Pace Case and I developed while we were writing How to Win the Bachelor. And it essentially defines a player's ability to score low point or low uh, score, but high value roses. It is very similar to ERA in baseball or slightly similar to quarterback rating in uh, football. And the system of the rose quotient goes as such. Every rose in the game, in our beloved game, Bachelor, is given a point total. Zero points if you get a rose on a group date or a one-on-one date or a fimp or a final rose or a knock-knock rose. Any rose outside of a a rose ceremony is a zero-point rose. Every other rose is given a, a value corresponding to its order given in a rose ceremony. So if you get the first rose on night one or on any night in any rose ceremony, that's a one-point rose, second rose, two points, so on and so forth. You take all of the roses a player gets, you average out that number, and the closer they are to zero, the better they are at securing these big uh, roses at group dates and such. Best rose quotient in history of the game, by the way, Caitlin Bristow. That's why she's the one true goat. Our next term is first flower. This is the person who gets the first rose in a rose ceremony. It is statistically significant in Bachelor and probably in Bachelorette as well. And it is statistically significant in that that person is likely to average around third place over the first impression rose is fourth place. So it's even more important than the first impression rose. At least we know that in Bachelor. We have not done our hyper binge of Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise yet. And the first flower blows 
Fimpro's out of the water in terms of determining who's going to be your next bachelorette. Uh, so many first flowers have become bachelorettes. I believe it's seven to uh, the Fimpro's three or four. So take that for what it's worth. Our next term is walls. Of course, this is a tool all players use in our beloved game. Uh, well, not all of them, but should be using. All players should be using walls. <laughs> Even if you don't have one, you make one up. And a wall is essentially just an obstacle that a player throws in the bachelor or bachelorette's way on a one-on-one date or a group date, hometown, fantasy suite, what have you. Some reason for why the emotional connection is being strained. The wall is meant to be erected only to be brought down. So again, it gives the first audience a sense of overcoming some hardship, some obstacle in the way, therefore valuing the relationship a little bit more. And it also gives the producers uh, a narrative element that they can edit to. Night one guy or girl. These are players that go home after the first night. They never move into the mansion. The most famous night one guy is, of course, grocery store Joe, who went home night one and Twitter. <laughs> the way the way you just said that grocery store Joe. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've been teaching myself mid journey. I will at some point show you my uh, Google Photos file that is called grocery store Joe drowning in a sea of sauce. I'll just, I'll let you look at those at oh, some point. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares. Uh, a night one curveball. This is something we actually haven't seen for a couple seasons now, but traditionally this is a big thing that the producers throw in night one to kind of surprise the audience and to surprise the lead. This is often an X Per, especially if it's an ex from the show. We saw Hannah Brown come back on Peter Weber's night one to give him his little airplane wings back and fuck up his game. So if you're a lead you have or players, you have to be prepared for that. To our knowledge, the first night one curveball was season four Bachelor Bob Gin Gin Guinea. Uh, his mom showed up on night one and started commingling with all the players. <laughs> I liked that one. I want them to repeat that. Yeah, that one was a, kind of a nice one. And that was the horniest season ever. You think maybe the more there should be more moms. So they say. I feel like that's just kind of lore that has taken over now, but I don't believe it to be true. I think there were straight like fucking orgies going on in those early seasons. At any rate. You're a Gingen truther? Yeah, always. Always a Gingen truther. Gingen is Bob Guinea, the fourth bachelor. Sorry, our next term is Gingen. <laughs> I start realizing we're already talking nonsense. Grocery re refers to grocery store Joe Amabile from like a Kufrin season, a night one guy. Sorry. And our next term is STCO. It's so fucking crazy. Like we can't even get through a lexicon because we have all this other terms. I know. We can't even give the definitions without having to give another one. Jesus fucking Christ. Ah, uh, this is just what it is. This is what it is to live in the bottom of the pit. Um, our next term is STCO. I love it here. As do I. As do I. Always trying to get more people. Drag them down in 30 seconds or under. <laughs> Our next term is STCO. It stands for shoulder to cry on. Now, this is a very important uh, play style in all of these games. This isn't just in our beloved game. This is literally in everything. You could see... The game of life, even. That's true as well. You could see the opposite of it actually happening in the most recent season of Love is Blind, season four. You had Irina Solomonova laughing at people while they were crying. 
This is not an STCO. I don't know what that is. The opposite of an STCO. The definition by the opposite. Interesting tactic clues. A, a, <laughs> an SNTCO shoulder not to cry on. My favorite STCO was the package deal player in Juan Pablo's season. That woman who was one of the only final four people to not go to paradise. Uh, but she played an STCO for everyone. I forget what her name was. As do I. But basically, the STCO requires a player to go console another player who has broken down into tears. This is a potentially dangerous game to play. If that player who's using tear play is a villain, you may want to steer clear. But generally speaking, uh, it's a very good play. Always, you're going to get on camera because the cameras are always going to be on the person crying. And if you can be there with them, trying to help them through it, you're going to make the edit. PD package deal. This is a term I just used without defining it, but now I will. A package deal is a player who has children before they go into the game. It can benefit you because you can have contact with the outside world via FaceTime. Sometimes they'll let you talk to your progeny. Uh, but it can also hurt you because the lead will feel like they have to shit or get off the pot more with that situation. They'll be less likely to take you to hometowns if they don't see you as a true potential due to the emotional toll on the kids. We had some uh, huge package deals doing amazing things on Paradise, or at least one package deal. Michael Alio, you saw that he got special treatment from the producers because I believe he was a package deal. Um, moving on. Our next term is... P-F-T, a.k.a. the play for time. Now, this is a certain style of group date, and it generally is a sporting group date. We've seen it in bowling. We've seen it in uh, full contact tackle football, in which, by the way, players in those dates incur concussions and injuries that require surgery. None of that is ever shown in the show, but that is what happens in those uh, dates. Clues, mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in Kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing no nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues. Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. 
You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, Okay. they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. At any rate, the play for time is when usually on a group date, the, the player pool is split up into two teams and the winning team is going to get extra time with the bachelor or bachelorette after the sporting day. This can also be an individual play for time. We saw that in season 24, Pilot Pete. There was, of course, the pilot-themed obstacle course that Kelly Flanagan cheated on to win that date and get extra time with him. He took her up in the plane, et cetera, et cetera. Much to the dismay of uh, Tammy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you always cheat. <laughs> the good old days. Fuck. Just talking about some of these old seasons, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I want to go back. I want to go back. You could never go back. MMS, a make me stay. This is a play that takes uh, takes a deft player, but it's basically, I've been patient. I've been waiting for my one-on-one time. I'm thinking I'm going to leave if you're not going to pick me. You play this to the lead. And ideally, they're like, no, no, you mean so much to me. And they're worried about losing you. So then maybe they're going to reward you for some reason. Our next term is the IFI. This is one of my favorites. Now, this is a play. This type of play could actually be done on any reality TV show. It doesn't (laughs) even have to be a dating game. It stands for injury, fear, or illness. This is when a player, at least in our beloved game, traditionally, will 
either uh, fake an injury or incur a real one. It could be real or imagined or faked or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just an injury, fear, or illness. You either get injured, you have a fear of something, or you become sick in some way, and it uh, usually gets you out of having to do whatever that group date's about. So we saw, again, like in in, uh, season 27, we saw Victoria Paul, or season 24, sorry. Season one, that woman who got soap in her eye. (laughs) Well, I mean, that was the first one we ever saw, yeah. She got an uh, eye injury that required then-bachelor Alex Michelle to literally pull over at a gas station while he was in a limo ride to Las Vegas with these players on a group date and call her back at the uh, mansion. I mean, there was no mansion then. It wasn't the mansion, but call her back at where they were staying and uh, check on her. But we've seen like in season 24, Victoria Paul pulled this off when they had to do the football group date and she complained of a back injury that she incurred on the pilot-themed obstacle course group date when they had to get in a big gyroscope. or no, it was the other way around, sorry, right? Was it that she injured her back at football? No. no, she injured her back on the gyroscope and then couldn't play football. And she got extra one-on-one time with Pilot Pete on the sideline because he had to come see how she was doing. And she got out of playing in that football game. And a massage. Got a little massage. So you can always play IFIs. We've seen Tierra Lacazzi do it in season 17 to a level that maybe we'll never see again. She was playing an IFI literally in every episode, including one that she did by... Uh, you know, I don't know if this is real or not, but she fell down the stairs of the mansion right as Ashley Frazier was about to go on her one-on-one date with Sean Lowe. And Sean Lowe had to not take Ashley Frazier on the fucking date to go check on Tierra Lacazzi. I mean, he took her on it eventually, but like Tierra Lacazzi got an extra 20 or 30 minutes and Ashley Frazier's getting pissed. So the IFI can be very effective. I've also IFI'd on those stairs. As have we all. Hail Mary. This is a play if you're already at the rose ceremony and you need some extra time with the lead or you need some extra screen time and you say, excuse me, Ben, can I talk to you for a second? While everyone is standing there, it's very dramatic. It might make the other players hate you, but it's a Hail Mary because it's like you're throwing the football all the way down the field just hoping it'll be caught. Yeah, that's a term that comes from football, by the way. No, I, I know. <laughs> oh, some of these are like sporting-ish terms. Uh, this next one is definitely not. This this next one is one, it is maybe our most famous term because it has been sucked up into the game and used by players, producers. We've seen Dark Lord Palmer literally fucking have it in his uh, Instagram. I don't know how many times at this point. We've heard Tyler Cameron define it in an interview with E! News. It is, of course, the Hooju. This is a shortening of two words, hug, jump, and it refers to when players are made by producers. That is correct. Producers make players do this. They will put a player maybe 50 yards away from a lead and say, go. They are then made to run toward the lead, jump into the air, wrap their legs and arms around them, rain down kisses, and then dismount into a handhold if it's a good hooju. I uh, do kind of Olympic judging of these <laughs> when we see them in our beloved game. The subsport of the Huju has kind of fallen off in recent seasons. I don't know why that is exactly. Yeah. But it hurts my heart. You famously have never done a Huju, never even attempted, which is crazy to be an Olympian judge. No, but I have been Huju'd. Oh. I have served as the anchor. I have seen them firsthand, I have just not performed one. But I will also say just the history of the Huju, to our knowledge, in The Bachelor at least, the first Huju we ever saw was in season six. 
delivered to the anchor of then bachelor Byron Velvick in Tampa, Florida on a softball field during a hometown of one of the greatest players who ever played our fucking game. A, a revolutionary player who defined an era of the game. We're, of course, talking about Mary Delgado back in season six. Um, and she went on to win that season. This is after she had a successful run up to third place in season four. Bob Ginginginny. Legend. She was. Legend. Mostly re removed from the history books. But we remember. Speaking of cities, Cleveland. The I Love Cleveland is when players go into a new location. They're, they've made the travel around and they I Love Cleveland, Cleveland, everything about their accommodations. They jump on the beds, they get in the bathtub, they scream off the balcony. They're so excited for their new luxury life that they are. And this is based off of, I believe, season 24 when they're told they're going to go to Cleveland. Yes. <laughs> And everyone screams, <laughs> I love Cleveland. And it's just like, this is basically like, obviously a joke. So they do it for any city. And I think you can use an I love Cleveland. I could be, I think it can be applied to literally any situation in anyone's life at any given time. If you are in a situation where you have to fake like you are enjoying something or like you think some shit's important that is really not, that's basically I love Clevelanding. I think most people who work in office jobs have to do this from time to time. Uh, I remember having one where I used to, believe it or not, write a copy for Disney Princess Tea Party sing-along songs, DVDs and shit, and Magical World of Winnie the Pooh. That whole job was I Love Clevelanding. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, that was a hard one to get through, but I did it. Uh, our next term is the COTA, C-O-T-A. This stands for Ceremony of the Ancients. This is something in our beloved game that happens every season. They will send out the lead and either a player on a one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes it happens on a group date, and they will encounter some old people who have been in a married relationship for a long time. And these old people will tell our lead and our players uh, exactly what is the secret to maintaining a long relationship and a healthy, loving relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And they will impart this wisdom to them. This is the ceremony of the ancients. We had a great one in that public spa last season. The people in, in the pool. The nudists also. Oh, and the nudists. The nude ancients. Yeah. I don't, they weren't ancient exactly, but they weren't not ancient, semi-ancients. Our next term is Council of Crowns. This refers to when a lead sits down with a bunch of other previous leads, one to three usually, and gets some advice. This is kind of similar to the Ceremony of the Ancients, but it's specific to this process, how to be a good lead, how to approach various situations. We saw Sean Lowe do a lot of Council of Crowning in this most recent season where he's watching Zach lift weights and uh, scrubbing him down in the shower. Believe it or not, that was Council. He even zoomed in for one of his councils. <laughs> yeah, that that's where we are with Council fucking crowns. It's Sean Lowe <laughs> eating a ham sandwich while he's watching the fucking Bachelor do curls. Like, what? FaceTiming him. God, respect the fucking game. All right, moving on. Uh, PTC, of course, is our next term. This is a very important term. It is one of the biggest plays any player makes over the course of the season. It stands for Personal Tragedy Card. 
This is when a player has to open up and divulge some past trauma, some past bad situation they've been in, uh, some malady maybe they've suffered that has ultimately made them realize exactly what they want out of life or made them the person they currently are. A good PTC is played uh, as a reason that you put up a wall earlier on the date and it is also then used to convey uh, how you've changed as a person and become ready for this relationship that you're now looking for in the course of The Bachelor, Love is Blind, anything. All games have this, whether it's dating game or not. It's literally any time a person is telling you about a past trauma to uh, more clearly illustrate who they are contemporarily and potentially generate a little bit of sympathy, which is always a good thing in any of these reality shows. We've seen group dates where they're forced to reveal PTCs, such as the Circle of Pain hosted by <laughs> male goat Nick Vial when he basically asked... A non-therapist asked everyone to basically reveal their greatest trauma <laughs> in this yes. circle of chairs. Uh, you know, I just want to ask all you guys real quick. Tell me about the worst thing that's ever happened in your life. I'm not saying I'm going to believe it because I don't. Uh, if, you're, if you don't finish top four in this, you're basically just fucking bullshit. That was a great rendering. Thank you. Uh, PVC, not to be confused with PTC. This is personal virginity card. This is played when a player loads or reveals to a lead or other players that they are a virgin. This doesn't have to be a sex virgin, a penetrational sex virgin. It can be an orgasm virgin, like our first bachelorette, Trista Rain. It can be a never-been-kissed virgin, like Heather Martin on Colton Underwood season. And this is a, you know, it's a good play for your branding if you're kind of a good girl or a good boy. I don't, what is our male version of that? <laughs> good boy. Uh, and you essentially are saying... I'm an experience in this area. Will we, as an audience, get to see if I lose this card during this season? And Colton's season, he was a PVC bachelor, and the whole time was about, is he going to lose his virginity? And Dark Lord Harrison was checking in with everyone, asking them to bet on it, basically. But we found out from his book that it maybe he wasn't actually a PVC player. That he had done some experimentations in his, his younger life. He was a PVC player with women, right? I mean, you read it. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that that's accurate. But even that, he kind of like meanders around. Hmm. His his book casts some uh, confusion, I think, on, on his PVC status. But we certainly have had players like Mikey Planeta come in and, and play a strong Christian PVC. And there have been some guys throughout the history of the game, certainly who played it. Madison Pruitt. Well, yeah, Madison Pruitt may be the most famous PVC player of all time, using her PVC as an offensive strategy uh, in an ultimatum late season in season 24 to just blow the entire thing up. And to decorate her wedding veil. Hashtag worth the wait. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's move on. <laughs> I, I don't want to make this if I could two hour. I know, uh, I know. Episode about the Pruitt. Trout. We were like, oh, we have uh, 50 terms and counting. <laughs> yeah, she don't even know. I have another 100 terms that is just about Madison Pruitt and Grant Trout. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next term. She don't know. It is skeleton. Now, a skeleton 
Not all players have these, and in fact, you don't want them coming into the game. A skeleton is something that can come back from your past to potentially derail whatever strategy you're trying to develop over the course of your season of play. We saw, uh, for example, Becca Kufrin be attacked by a skeleton that was her ex-boyfriend the morning after a successful fantasy suite play with season 22 bachelor Ari Lyondike Jr. She gets a knock on her door. They have flown her fucking boyfriend to... I forget where they did that season's fantasy suites somewhere not in America. And he tried to blow the whole thing up. That is a skeleton. We saw Cassie Randolph's dad serve as a skeleton in season 23. I do know where they flew him out to. It was Algarve, Portugal. <laughs> and he literally came in to break up the fantasy suite date between the uh, day portion and night portion. And he convinced Cassie Randolph, or seemingly at least in the edit, convinced her that this was not a good idea and she needed to get off the show. So skeletons can really, really screw up your uh, mm -hmm. your strategy. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines, and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix, just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I, I saw that in... Um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the 
Tighter Skin guarantee you with this seven-day routine. Tighter Skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. (laughs) <laughs> and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Sacred Word Defense. This is often used by players who are trying to parse out their different love levels and wait to use love level three or love level four. It's basically saying love is a sacred word. I take it really seriously. And that's why I'm not going to say it until X, Y, Z. You're the only person left or I really mean it, etc. It's supposed to make you seem more for TRR. Our next term is implied consummation. This, specifically in our beloved game, refers to the fantasy suite round, but it can refer to any time in any of these other dating games when it is implied that two people are having sex. Going to the Boom Boom Room in Bachelor in Paradise, you see it in Love is Blind all the time when they finally get to spend the night together in like the, the retreat area, wherever they're going to. You see some couples, they'll give you the shot of them like pulling the covers over their head and then other couples that give you the shot of them sleeping on opposite ends of a couch. So, you know, that's not implied consummation. <laughs> but the idea here is that, uh, again, through the edit or through actual whatever the players are doing, you're getting the idea that they have agreed they are going to have sex. Um, in some cases, you get hardcore implied consummation on the order of an outright lie, like in Bachelor Season 21. That was, of course, the great one, Nick Vial. When he woke up the next morning... With Raven Gates, who did play a PVC personal virginity card that season, saying she had never had an orgasm through sex, she woke up the next morning and got an entire package cut for her of her skipping around (laughs) this town in Finland and pretending like it was the happiest day of her life because she finally had an orgasm. The truth is, we now know through podcasts, books, books, etc., they didn't have sex. They didn't have sex at all. It was all acting. That entire thing was acting. And that's our both again. Implied consummation can also be done through creature imagery, like when we see a bee going into a flower or mm. a fountain taking off. Yeah. Train going into a tunnel, hot dog being put in a bun. <laughs> Fireworks. 
Next term is Seleucian Protocol. This refers to one of the greatest, if not the greatest night one player of all time, Hannah Ann Sluss, who was the ring winner on Bachelor Season 24 during Fantasy Suites Week when Madison Pruitt was complaining about Peter Weber being intimate with other people. And she said, we knew what we signed up for, basically shaming her saying, you knew what fantasy suites were going into this. We signed these contracts and we're agreeing to this certain process. Our next term is pre-cog. This is a term taken from a movie (laughs) called Minority Report starring Thomas Cruise. It came out in the late 90s, I believe, early 2000s, perhaps. And that movie was about a cop. He, he was a cop who was on precog crime cases. And the precogs in this movie were these three psychic people that could kind of uh, ingest the psychic stream of all humanity in the city. And they could determine if a crime was going to happen in the future, then they would send Tom Cruise out to arrest that person. So in our beloved game, A precog is when a player is asked or asks someone else to essentially answer if they will say yes or no to a proposal. They are asking for what is the event to happen before it has happened, just like in the movie Minority Report starring Tom Cruise. It definitely makes sense why we chose that name. (laughs) It does. But that's a very common uh, play that you'll see in hometowns uh, with families usually asking players or leads if there's a proposal. Will you say yes? Or in the Bachelorette case, will you propose? Do you plan to propose? Right. Also seen in hometowns often is a glow. Our next term. This refers to when family, friends, anyone else says that they can see the outward um, outward effect of the person's love coming out of them. So the happy couple walks in. Maybe they're holding hands. Maybe they're kissing. And their family member goes, you're glowing, or I can tell you're so in love. It's basically a way for a third party to say, that's a real relationship. They have real chemistry. Our next term is the full royale. There have only only been three full royales in the history of The Bachelor. Jen Sheft, Emily Maynard, and Becca Kufrin. And Becca Kufrin, we're going to get to in a moment, has a, a different singular designation that no one else has done. But the full royale means you have won both a ring and a crown. You have be, been the, the final rose recipient as well as, in this case, all bachelorettes. This is something that is very hard to do. And like I said, Becca Kufrin has an additional designation that is kind of even higher than this. But uh, I'm very curious to see if this ever happens again. I don't know that it will. It's it's hard to picture. Just because the turnover rate is so high in in uh, in the game. But the full royales are Jen Sheft, Emily Maynard, and Becca Kufrin. Becca Kufrin is also the atropical royale, and this means she has not only won the ring and the crown, but she also has appeared on Bachelor in Paradise. She has touched sand. And speaking of Bachelor in Paradise and sand, our next term is first sand. This is, I thought it was going to be specific to Bachelor in Paradise, but it actually now has uh, broken out into Love is Blind as well, or the Love is Blind world, the kinetic content world, the Netflix reality dating world. First sand refers to the first man and woman who appear on Bachelor in Paradise. The first two 
of, uh, again, the guys and the girls who come down those steps and touch sand. These are invariably the players, the producers want you to focus on the most. They will get the most screen time simply because they're there first. And this can also refer to broadly everybody who shows up on that first day. That's the first sand round. But the first two people that show up are the first sand players. They are That's the most coveted position. And the same is true on Perfect Match, which is Netflix and Kinetic Content's answer to Bachelor in Paradise. It's the exact same thing. We call it first sand. I don't even think there was any sand on, <laughs> uh, on that show. Or there wasn't. They, they're not like meant to be on a beach. They're not uh, forced to be in like Palapas sweating and shit all day long like they are in Bachelor. But we we use that same term first sand to talk about the first players who show up on Perfect Match. And it also tends to be one of the players that producers are most hoping will end up in an engagement. Speaking of Love is Blind, Perfect Match, we have some specific turns for those shows. The Forgotten. This is kind of like Night One Players, uh, but in this game, The Forgotten are the players in Love is Blind who do not end up in the engagement relationships that we track. They might end up in other engagements, but we now know that they don't show all the couples that get engaged. So you're essentially losing this. You didn't make it far enough to get to the travel round where they all go to Mexico, for instance, for a honeymoon with their engaged couple. Our next love is blind uh, term is the unblinding. This is, of course, uh, the moment when after two players have proposed and accepted a proposal that they reveal themselves physically to one another. And it is in this moment that I find some of my most uh, joyous parts of watching the show because you can see in people's eyes immediately, especially this past season of season four, when Irina Solomonova <laughs> and Zach Goitowski lock eyes for the first time, you can see immediately she's not into him. And it's a, a very crucial moment in the development of a relationship. It's also a crucial moment in giving the third audience on Love is Blind what they need to edit a proper relationship narrative for you. Just a, a massively important moment that doesn't really exist. I mean, you can kind of liken it, I guess, to a limo exit in Bachelor, but it's not quite the same because there's so much buildup to this. They've fallen in love without seeing each other, and then they have their unblinding and will that love stand the test of the unblinding? Will they kiss? Will it be awkward? It's always so awkward and cringy. I love it. Me too. Uh, we Our next term is source boys. This refers to some friends of one of the players on Love is Blind. I forget who, but it referred to his friends who are from the source, which is... It was Matt. It was Matt of Matt and Colleen. That makes sense. That season all took place in Dallas, the source. We should also say what the source is. Oh, yeah, the source is Dallas, Texas. So this is the source of The Bachelor. We kind of see it as like the demon mouth of hell, like where it all comes from. How dare you? How dare you? Demon mouth of hell? I see it as a gate into heaven. This is where... Rachel Lizzie has come from here. This is where Goldini, and we'll get to what that means in a minute. This is where Goldini has come from. This is where I came from. And DLH. We'll get to that one. Mouth of hell. And reality, Steve. Wow. Anyway. That's the trifecta. Yes. Sorry. But I also think Source Boys, by the way, can refer to... It's kind of like the guy friends of anybody on Love is Blind. And so we even... This was in season three that Source Boys were... Especially if they have a baseball hat. 
Yeah. Well, all the source boys had a very definitive style. I know it well. I am from the source. It is that backwards baseball hat, jeans, and a, a scruffy beard look. But you also got what we called, uh, I believe, Seattle source boys in season four because they had a similar look too. It was the pullover fleece hoodie with a little zipper. This is not the source per se, but source boys to me anyway can just kind of mean the guy friends of all the whoever the guy is, whatever town they're in. And now we have a bunch of miscellaneous terms. First up, bad at job. This is a line that Bachelor Clues said a few weeks ago in a podcast. I don't, I assume we were talking about Bachelor producers. That's right. But it really, it really stuck. And uh, we made mugs of it and we love it. Yeah. It basically just refers to, as the, the phrase says, anybody who's bad at their job. And unfortunately for our beloved game, that's almost everybody in a creative uh, decision-making capacity. Our next miscellaneous term is one I just hinted at. Except for DLP. Uh, our next <laughs> term is one I hinted at. Goldini. I don't know where this really came from. I wrote it down in a note once, but it refers to Sean Lowe, the season 17 bachelor, the only bachelor to be... It comes from Golden One. Yeah. We call him the golden child, the golden boy, the golden one. He's the only bachelor to be married to his ring winner, uh, Catherine Giudici. They have kids. They're married. It looks like they'll last forever. And they obviously brought him back a lot in season 27. But I don't know why Goldini... Be I don't know why the golden one or golden child became Goldini. I have no idea why that happened, but it's stuck. It's because that's what your brain does. Rapini was another one. Ah, uh, you're right. It's a mixture of Rapini and Goldini. Uh, Rapini and golden child. I mean. <laughs> Our next term is DLP. This is Dark Lord Palmer. DLP is the new host after the racism scandal a couple years ago. And he is an empathetic king, and he is in charge of all of, I don't know. He's, he kind of says, this is we're going to start the rose ceremony. He checks in with the leads. How are you doing? And he just you know tries to support them in any way he can. The one true definition. I'm just going to... The, this is the definition episode. That's the one true definition. I mean, okay, sure. I won't refute you on this. Uh, our next three terms are all DLs. These are all Dark Lords. To us, the hosts of all these shows are Dark Lords because they are getting paid to visit suffering upon all of the players. And in some cases, these hosts even appear to be reveling in it, to be enjoying the suffering. We have, of course, Dark Lord Harrison. He was the first uh, host of our beloved game, The Bachelor. And like Pacecase just said, he got ousted after his racism scandal. And then in Love is Blind, we have uh, co-Dark Lords. They are a married pair of Dark Lords. Dark Lord uh, Vanessa Lachey, that's D-L-V-L. She got a lot of flack for the, uh, the horrible Love is Blind live reunion. And of course, D-L-N-L, Dark Lord Nick Lachey. And those are the known Dark Lords currently. Who was also at the reunion. Yeah. Not talking much. <laughs> Good move. Smart. And our last term... Big body or big body trash can. This refers to Thomas Jacobs, the paradise ring winner of Becca Kufrin, who is expecting child with big body. And it refers to something that Aaron Clancy called him big body trash can. Got it. It's just one of the best, funniest monikers any player has ever given to another player, in my opinion. But that wraps it up. 
That's all of our terms, uh, the most important ones anyway. There's a whole bunch of other mm -hmm. ones which are in the back of How to Win the Bachelor if you ever want to check that out. But these are the ones... And there's some that we just don't even think of as terms, and I'm sure we'll update this later. <laughs> this is under constant update, <laughs> constant evolution. But we thought it was important to get out a new lexicon as we're heading into Charity Lawson's next season of Bachelorette that's going to be airing uh, in June. And... You know, like I said, I'm getting DMs kind of constantly since um, we have started this thing about what does this mean? What does that mm -hmm. mean? And I like to have them all in one place here. So again, if you've got friends that you're trying to drag into the pit or who are new to the pit and they don't know all the terminology, just point them to this episode and hopefully it will it will help you out. Send them this episode. And while you're in your podcast app, please rate this podcast. Give us five stars. I know we always say it in the song, but yeah. here's me saying it in spoken word. Ooh, I love some spoken word. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for this all-important episode, our lexicon evolved. And Pace Case, before we go, as always, what is that dwabat? It has been 7,715 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 